Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Somehow beat the Atlanta Falcons with Josh Dobbs coming off of the bench. Post-game podcast, Matthew Collar in Minnesota and in Atlanta is Dane Mizutani of the Pioneer Press. And, you know, Dane, uh, in Purple Insider here, there are financial decisions to be made when it comes to road games to travel to. So I'm always in Chicago. I'm always in Green Bay. There's a couple more that I end up on the road for. And with this game, I was like, man, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if I could justify the budget. It's a backup quarterback starting. It's like it could get kind of ugly and certainly looked that way early in the game. And now I don't know if there's any uh, Arrested Development fans out there, but I am Joe Bluth. I made a huge mistake. I made a big mistake uh, not traveling to Atlanta today. But we have you there in Atlanta, fresh from the press conferences, fresh from the locker room, after watching Josh Dobbs come off the bench and scramble his way after never throwing to the receivers, taking a snap from the center, or knowing anything about the Minnesota Vikings offense, leading them to a 31-28 to victory over the Atlanta Falcons. I got to say, Dane, this is one that people are going to remember, I think, for a really, really long time, whether it's in that locker room or anybody who stuck around and did not go out and rake their leaves in the middle of the second quarter. Yeah, we can just call it the Josh Dobbs game because that's all it will be for the rest of time. Um, it's crazy. You think about this game, the way it started. Jaron Hall was the quarterback, the rookie quarterback, Jaron Hall, who we had been prepping for all week. And he comes out and he looks pretty good. You know, the first drive, three and out. But then the second drive, he comes out and he's you know, kind of moving the chains. And then all of a sudden he gets sacked. And you're thinking, or no, he doesn't get sacked. But he gets hit, tackled at the goal line, ends up hitting his head and, and going to the medical tent. And in that moment, I think everyone started to realize, like, oh, Josh Dobbs is going to come to the game right now. Josh Dobbs, who has been here for five days, maybe less, um, is about to play quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. And it went about as poorly as you thought it was going to go early on. He took a safety in, in, on a play that he probably shouldn't have taken a safety. He tried to make something happen on a scramble outside of the pocket, fumbled. And you talk about people raking their leaves. I, I don't think I would have blamed people for at that point saying, you know what, I don't need this one in my life today and then turning it off. But if they did that, then they missed one of the greatest Vikings games and I've ever seen. And I, that might sound crazy because, like, it's a random Sunday in November and the Vikings just improved to five and four. So how could it be the great one of the greatest Vikings games I've ever seen? But just everything that happened in a vacuum today was unbelievable. 
and in truly every single play down the stretch. Um, but I think when you look at that final drive, Josh Dobbs gets the ball back with two minutes, eight seconds left. Um, and the fact that he's able to then lead an 11 play drive, use his legs to scramble, but then also throw the game winning touchdown pass. It showed that this is not a guy who is just going to look for plays to break down and, and take off and, and use his legs more than capable of doing that. But he made legitimate throws today where he is an NFL quarterback. Um, and then the last play, six yard touchdown to Brandon Powell, you know, like Kevin O'Connell was talking about that play after the game. That's some high level reads. He's holding the safety with his eyes and then he's working back to Brandon Powell. And if he doesn't do that with his eyes, then the nickel corner is able to just kind of jet over to, to Brandon Powell. Like that's high level quarterback play. Um, so just when you look at this whole game and, and, and what it was from Jaron Hall starting to Josh Dobbs looking lost early on to Josh Dobbs emerging as a folk hero, you know, three hours later, uh, I, I still don't really know how to grasp it, but it was, it was something I'll never forget. I mean, I think that we'd have to just go to the beginning right. with Jaron Hall, where it looked like Jaron Hall was going to be able to hold his own. And that's what's really unfortunate. And there's other injuries we have to talk about as well. KJ Osborne, Cam Akers is going to be out for the year with an Achilles injury that, I mean, all of a sudden these injuries are just piling up. Uh, and even before the game, Christian Derrissaw is announced out. So here's David Questenberry, a guy who also just got here at the beginning of the season. So you've got a left tackle who just got here at the beginning of the year. You've got backup receivers. You've got Jaron Hall in there. He delivers a great pass down the sideline to Alexander Madison, where the Falcons seem to mess up a basic cover two read and he finds him. And then, you know, he's, he's, he's rolling and he's looking like he's pretty much in command. He's getting confident. They're using some play action stuff for him. And of course, the running game isn't really helping at all, but they're finding a way, which we really need to talk about at some point. And then he takes off and takes a monster, monster hit. And it kind of was like, oh, yeah, this is the NFL and not college. And you have to get down if you're Jaron Hall because you can't just run over people unless you're like Cam Newton or something. And when he goes out, you know, the one thing that's crazy about Josh Dobbs is that this guy has been through stuff like this his whole career, whether it's Tennessee, he shows up for them, goes and plays a must win game and is one drive away from winning that game. And then what he did in Arizona he gave them a chance to win his first game after being acquired on August 24th and then started September 9th. And he beat the Dallas Cowboys this year. And, and so he has this capability. And I know it became downright hilarious the number of times they brought up the rocket science thing on TV. But it actually is relevant to this guy. And I asked him about it this week, like his educational background, he probably has more capacity to learn a lot of information and apply it quickly than pretty much anyone else. So when he went in there, he certainly did not look like he was comfortable or, I mean, looked anxious and then, you know, gives the ball away a couple times right away. When did you feel like it turned for Josh Dobbs? Uh, the scramble right before halftime, for sure. Um, there's a free runner coming into space at that point and he tries to reverse pivot, but he does, he can't quite get it. So he just kind of muscles his way out of that. Um, what would have been a sack would look to be a sack, which for a lot of guys would have definitely gone down as a sack. And he turns the corner, um, scampers up the sideline, hurdles, a guy dives forward, picks up a first down. Uh, 
Um, I think it was he gained 11 yards on third and 10. Um, and then two plays later, um, designed rollout, finds Alexander Madison in the flats for a touchdown. Kind of gives like a shrug, like almost like a Jordan shrug on the sideline when he did it. And that was when I was like, okay, this guy, now he's finally locked in. Um, but the fact that he was able to do that after taking a safety, after fumbling the ball, um, the fact that he could wipe all that and still give the Vikings a chance to win the game just really shows what kind of leader this guy can be for, for the Vikings for the remainder of this season. Because, I mean, I don't know how you can't go back to him again and again and again after what we just saw. Um, but there's a, a belief in Josh Dobbs in that locker room, and that's crazy to think uh, because he got here five days ago. But when you go out and you do what you did on Sunday – when you know all the chips are on the table, um, it, it does have a way of galvanizing a locker room. And you juxtapose what was just a sad, dreary, devastated locker room last week after a win, after Kirk Cousins goes down to what we saw this week. Um, truly, I didn't think it was possible because of how crushing that Kirk Cousins news was. But when you have a guy like Josh Dobbs do what he did today, um, there's reason that there's a belief in this team. Um, but yeah, it was definitely that scramble right before halftime where I thought he kind of figured it out or just was able to kind of let it all go and, and just go out and play. Um, I think what maybe impressed me the most, and you brought it up with his, his ability to take in a lot of information at once and process it on the fly, is just listening to Kevin O'Connell talk and listening to Josh Dobbs talk after the game. We always hear about how Kevin O'Connell is communicating with Kirk Cousins in that helmet, and then it cuts off at 10 seconds, and then it's just Kirk Cousins on his own. Um, but when he's doing that with Kirk Cousins, he's just telling him the play. He's giving him the can or the other play. When he was doing it with Josh Dobbs today, Kevin O'Connell was literally saying, okay, so here's what you're going to see coming from your left side, and here's um, what maybe is going to be there on the back side. And, and then it would go dark, and then Josh Dobbs is in the huddle, and he's calling the play. And he's then he's stepping to the line. He's giving a cadence. Um, then he's running the play, and then it, that sequence starts over all again. So he knew like the menu Josh Dobbs did this week, but then to go out and apply it took a lot of learning on the fly, like learning in real time, uh, which I just thought was so impressive. And if he was able to do that with five days, let's call it three or four days to to learn, um, I, I really think that he could do some pretty special things like give him a couple of weeks to just actually learn the offense um, with the weapons he's going to have around him um, by far the most he's had in his career so far. So let me go back to the original question, which was when did the game turn for Josh Dobbs? I think it was on the same drive, but I want to go back just a little bit farther. So he throws that hospital ball to KJ Osborne, yeah. which was really scary. And he, you know, clearly got a concussion. Good to see uh, some of the stuff from the locker room that he was at least still there hugging teammates, talking to people, because that was a very, very scary injury. And I saw some people saying like, forfeit the game. This is dangerous. Like the fact that Josh Dobbs doesn't know the offense is going to get somebody hurt and all this stuff. And then he completes a pass to Jordan Addison and it was like a professional throw. It wasn't anything super special, but there was a, a like flicker of confidence there. Like you converted a third down and then you throw a, a 20 yard pass just to get a little momentum going like, Oh yeah, that's right. 
we can do this. We, like he's a professional quarterback. He had won a game before the NFL. He had played before. And so he, he completes that pass to Addison. And then it just seemed like everybody said like, Oh, okay. Like he's not going to fumble every single time we can do this. And the scramble, I mean, I had to go like, is that Dante Culpepper? I mean, because we haven't seen a whole lot of amazing scrambling over the years that we've covered Kirk Cousins, which we could talk about at some point in the show. But that was incredible. He goes back like 20 yards, breaks a tackle, and then swings all the way around. And throughout the game, every time there was a little confusion, every time it seemed like he was a little bit like, I don't know where to go with the football he didn't really hesitate to just take off understanding that he's a really good athlete and using that. And that is one thing that you noticed if you watched him in Arizona and the number of times throughout the game that it bailed him out to get those scrambles, including on a fourth and eight play. And, and he was moving in, in space and break tackles. Like this guy is not like your average journeyman pocket system quarterback. He was a 95th percentile athlete at the NFL combine. So a really special athlete for his position. And that was the difference in the game, because when you look at his stat line, he was averaging like 5.3 yards per pass attempt in this game. And there's a couple that might've been almost picked off. There's a couple fumbles, but it seemed every time it looked like Atlanta was about to close this thing out. Good night. It's over. That was real cute and fun. He found a way to make a play with his legs. And then there was a great moment when he gets the first down. I don't know if you guys had where you had the broadcast in the press box. He gets the first down, I think on fourth and eight and holds the ball up and drops it like he's Cam Newton or something like the intelligence is talked about all the time, but the confidence of this man to go play the way that he did and then be like making plays and celebrating and dodging people in traffic. I think it says something about how special of a quarterback, even someone like Josh Dobbs has to be to get here and that they probably did pick the right guy to be able to handle this type of situation. Yeah. Um, there was a moment right after Josh Dobbs threw the touchdown, um, the way press boxes work, um, at home, when we're home, we, we don't see the general manager. They're in their own booth. But in some away stadiums, the general manager is like three rows behind you, kind of off, tucked away. Kweisi Adolfo Mensa was pacing back and forth throughout that whole final drive, sitting next to Rob Brzezinski and a couple other guys in, in, in the, the Vikings front office, brass, pacing back and forth, nervous. You can tell because, like you said, they, they did bring in the right guy. But in that moment, it's still a little bit up in the air. When Josh Dobbs finds Brandon Powell for that six-yard touchdown, the entire back row, they stand up. They start just dapping each other up, smiling. You could tell, like, it, it was a risk to bring this guy in. And it was a calculated risk, right? It's not like they traded the farm to do it. But there are, you know, I think there are some people out there that wanted them to take a bigger swing. There are some people out there that just wanted them to say, you know, screw it on this year. We'll run out the, the rookie quarterback and take what we can get. Um, but there was a calculated risk in, in picking this guy. And and I think we saw all of that kind of show up today. But, but I thought that was a pretty cool moment watching the guys that literally went out and found this guy and said, that's going to be our quarterback or maybe um, to watch them watch that guy win them the football game. Um, that is one of the moments from this game I'll remember among a dozen others because literally we, this podcast could be four hours long and we wouldn't run out of things to talk about. 
you know, I, I think it's uh, also worth talking about how Kevin O'Connell handled this entire situation and the value of Kevin O'Connell as a head coach. And throughout this game, I was thinking a lot about Mike Tomlin. Do you remember the, the year that Pittsburgh had, I think, two quarterback injuries and something called Duck Hodges was starting? Yep. And it's like... <laughs> No one even knows who this person is, where they came from. His name is Duck. What are we talking about? And they finished like nine and seven or something. And what? How does that even happen? They won a bunch of ugly games and so forth. And the level that, and of course, Pittsburgh's doing the same thing again without great quarterback play. The level that a great head coach can take you. And also, we'll get to Arthur Smith. A bad coach can also hold you back a lot. But a good coach, especially one that has this type of knowledge of quarterbacks and relationship with quarterbacks to the point where Josh Dobbs is coming over to the sideline and I, you see Kevin O'Connell's like holding footballs and doing footwork and stuff and sh like showing him exactly what he wants him to do to be able to communicate as the head coach and the play caller at that level with your quarterback. This does not happen otherwise. There's another thing that this doesn't happen otherwise, and I wrote about this this week. Kevin O'Connell, through 0-3 and through Kirk Cousins' injury, was as steady of a hand and as optimistic and positive of a hand of a head coach that you are ever going to see to the point where it's almost bizarre because usually the NFL breaks people. You see meltdowns. You see they are who we thought they were type of things from head coaches. And yet, you know, this was his first test of adversity, really, since he got here, was to go 0-3, then to lose Kirk Cousins. And it really reverberated through the entire organization. You and I were in the locker room all week. We didn't feel a panic. We didn't feel a tension about that locker room. And then you go today, and at any point, that team could have melted down. Any point. I mean, the safety, the fumble where he just kind of loses the ball, the other fumble... I mean, two times they're fumbling the ball, giving it away. And, you know, 21-13 feels like the game's over. It's an eight-point lead. It's like, oh, man, now you're going to have to come back and everything else. And this whole team, and we'll talk about the defense in a minute, but the whole team has galvanized once again, just like we saw them do last year. Yeah, I thought that was a great piece that you wrote. And I, I heard you asking questions about it all week. Um, so I had an idea that you were going to write about just Kevin O'Connell remaining positive through all the trials. Um, but the way it, it came out um, was perfect because the tone and tenor of that story really effectively encapsulated like the team that we see behind the scenes every day. Um, and we've seen the opposite. Mike Zimmer for a number of years was a very good coach for the Vikings. And just because it ended, you know, sourly, doesn't take away from the fact that he was a very good coach for the Vikings for, for many years where he did lose the team though, was when things started to go sideways. So did Zimmer. And, and I think there is something to a team mirroring the demeanor of their head coach. And I think you see it across the league, but when you kind of take a microscope and you look at this team in particular, um, the way that they've just been able to kind of, push forward no matter what almost with this like like this belief that I, I don't truly understand because like it's like why do you keep believing that like it's just gonna be all right for you guys uh, 
that's all rooted in, in Kevin O'Connell and the way he handles himself and the culture that he really has built. And culture is such a buzzword in sports. It's like, I think it's when you don't really know how to explain something, you just chalk it up to culture. But that, it's a real thing in Minnesota right now. And, and, and I think the story did a good job providing context to that. But yeah, you mentioned the 0-3 start, the 1-4 start. Kirk Cousins going down with an Achilles injury. No panic. And today, the quarterback they repped all week going down with a concussion on the second drive of the game, no panic. The the journeyman quarterback who just got here five days ago, turning the ball over twice effectively, no panic. And, and all of that is rooted in Kevin O'Connell and the way he carries himself on the sideline, in the locker room, in the practice facility. Um, frankly, to me, like uh, this is the most impressive win of, of O'Connell's career. Like I understand people who would say, well, he, you know, he gave it to Kyle Shanahan on Monday night football two weeks ago. Um, let's not forget about that. But everything that was going wrong today, the fact that they were able to just kind of steer the ship forward, no matter what, so impressive. They were out there without their starting left tackle. David Questenberry played. They were out without Kirk Cousins, obviously, without Justin Jefferson, without K.J. Osborne by by the middle of the game. Um, that's your starting left tackle, your starting quarterback, your, your backup quarterback because Nick Mullins is out, your third-string quarterback because Jared Hall's out, your top two receivers because Jefferson and, and Osborne are out. Uh, and, and Josh Dobbs is making stuff happen with, like, Tristan Jackson and, and Brandon Powell on the last drive of the game. Um, it's just a phenomenal job all around by the Vikings, but it starts with the guy at the top. Folks, I cannot believe how many sports are going on right now. And guess what? There's a way to go to all of them with affordable tickets. My friends, you are going to want to check out Game Time. It is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to any sports event that you want to attend and much, much more. One of the cool parts about Game Time is that they have flash deals on last-minute tickets and a low-price guarantee, which means if you find something lower in the section or row, they will credit you 100 You also get images of your seat locations, which I love because those maps can be a little confusing. Buy tickets in seconds and have them arrive right there on your phone. It's great. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And let's also mention that Jordan Addison made an all-world catch to go up over a guy and somehow get his feet down. Initially, I was like, no way. Could not have gotten his feet down. Must have got pushed out of bounds. And since there's no Nate Poole rule anymore, if you get pushed out of bounds, you're just out of bounds. And yet somehow he toe taps that, which has become something that we've seen from Jordan Addison on a weekly basis down those sidelines. You know, there were reports when he was coming out, like he's too small. He's going to have to be a slot receiver. That's absolutely not the case. He can line up anywhere and make the plays. 
along the sideline. A very good and cut throw from Dobbs. But what a play there. And also TJ Hawkinson, who took a lot of abuse early in the season. The whole thing during training camp and everything else with the contract, which I don't care about. And then, you know, early in the season where he dropped a couple of key passes, including one that lost the game against the Chargers. Nobody has been bigger for them over the last couple of weeks. And this was another thing that O'Connell talked about going into the game was the tight end can sometimes be the best friend of the quarterback because it's the guy who's kind of right in your vision and a lot of the easy completions are there. But also, TJ Hawkinson got hurt today. And he got popped really hard in the ribs. And every time he was getting up, it looked like that dude was suffering. But he would not come out of that game. And he showed a, an impressive toughness there in that game and made some really big catches, including uh, there was a first down that he got where he had to fight through a bunch of tackles. I mean, th the thing is that with this team, even if you're taking away all these parts, the things that drive them, and look, David Questenberry deserves credit today. He held in against the line, the, the, the defensive line that could put pressure on you in the biggest moments when they had to drive down. It really took everybody. But they've got you know these key players, including Kevin O'Connell pulling the puppet strings of the quarterback, Addison, Hawkinson. So even when they're missing some of their guys, they're still finding ways to make plays with Josh Dobbs. And I don't want to turn this into what's going to happen in the future at quarterback. But if there is two things you're taking away from today, one, mobility is nice. It's real nice because plays are not over when your quarterback runs a 4-6-40 and knows how to escape and juke and, and break tackles. Number two is the setup here. We talk about it all the time but we've never seen it without Kirk. We've literally never seen it with O'Connell and with these receivers, even minus Justin Jefferson without Kirk. And to see it in action, to see them pull out this win, this is one of the clearly clear-cut best setups in the NFL, which speaks, you know, the future again. I don't know. We'll have plenty of time for that. But it speaks to what they could potentially do here looking at the schedule going forward. For sure. They're, they're all lot of winnable games on the schedule and i think you can see what you saw today and feel good about frankly going in you know hosting the saints next week at home and and beating them you can feel good about going back or you know having chicago come in uh, and, and and feeling like they're gonna probably be the team that's favored to win because of the quarterback play yes but also like you said because of all the weapons around the quarterback itself um josh dobbs is the story of this game deserves all the credit, but like you said, go down the list. Uh, I, I don't want to say any quarterback could have done this because I think it really takes a special guy to come in like off the street basically and, and, and do what Josh Dobbs did today. But the infrastructure in place here uh, is tremendous, especially offensively. Like you said, with, you know, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson, his practice window could be open next week. I would be a little surprised because it's a hamstring and Jalen Naylor is still not back from his hamstring, but um, you'll never forget that Justin Jefferson's on the team because he's still been very present. But I think sometimes like in the game itself, you forget like this team is moving the ball without its best player. Um, so the, the infrastructure is there. Um, and then maybe this is a good segue. The defense is pretty damn good too. Like they have wildly exceeded my expectations this year. And, the team that we saw for the first month of the season 
it had me looking like, all right, well, I think I know, I think Brian Flores knows what he's doing, but the talent's just not there. They're not going to be able to force turnovers. They're not going to be able to, to stand up to good offenses. But what the defense is continuing to do week in and week out now is pretty tremendous in my opinion, just like the way they've kind of been able to stack good performances on top of each other. They go out in prime time and they, in a lot of ways, dominate the San Francisco 49ers in, in the trenches. Um, then they come back the following week at Lambeau Field and they dominate that team. And then they come out today and force two huge turnovers in the second half that kept the Vikings in the game. But also in the first half, like there were, the, the game was kind of teetering on, on the verge of, you know, falling apart. Um, and, and they were able to hold Atlanta to field goals instead of touchdowns. So the infrastructure stretches beyond just the offense. Um, there's a defense in place uh, with a guy like Brian Flores leading the way on that side of the ball, um, where I think the Vikings like are set up to be at least in pretty good position here if, if they if they pick the right guy at quarterback this offseason, um, which to your point, we won't get into on this show. Uh, but it it it's true. Like they, it's incumbent they pick the right guy this offseason because this team is set up to be pretty good for a pretty long time. I think. You know what amazes me about Brian Flores is that, you know how, when we go out to practice, they give us the rosters. And even though we've been covering the team since training camp, it's always good to have the roster. We look at who's practicing, who's not practicing. If you are on that list, you are playing for the Minnesota Vikings with right. Brian Flores. We, I'm seeing dudes out there. I'm like number 50. That's TJ Smith, I think. And like that, like that's, he's out there on a play. Uh, but it, what's amazed me about the Vikings defense under Brian Flores is the resilience that they have. The number of times where you think, eh, this could really break wrong for them. I mean, even you go back to that Chargers game, they had a stop that gave the Vikings a chance to win that game. Even in Kansas City, like they're a flag away maybe from potentially winning that game. And, and that was despite the fact that Kansas City was able to move the ball against them. And there is a lot of actually bend, don't break element to this defense. And the couple of times where they didn't break this Josh Dobbs thing absolutely never happens if not for, and I have it up right here. So they get the safety field goal after that. They fumble field goal after that. They fumble again, field goal after that. Three, I, is, is, a safety's a turnover, I guess. Like three turnovers, and they get nine points out of it. And the goal line stands were terrific. Until the last drive of the game, essentially, for Atlanta, they weren't running the ball at all. And hey, by the way, I got some snark for Atlanta. Just real quick, way to announce that you weren't going to trade for Lamar Jackson. Great choice. Great cho choice to throw that out there. Also, your coach is lost, just completely lost. And way to draft a first-round running back that you're not even using as RB1 and fumbled the ball today. Great use of your draft capital. Couldn't use that for anything else, Atlanta. Great organization you got there with one of the most clueless head coaches there is. And over there, I what I'll do sometimes after games, Dane, I'll go for a run and listen to the other team's podcast. Can't wait for this one. I'm going to find the best Atlanta podcast. Can't wait to listen to what they have to say about Arthur Smith. Cause that guy is a joke.
and he's been a joke. And hey, he said uh, he was railing on Kurt Warner for breaking down his silly passing offense. How silly was their offense today? Sending guys deep downfield for Taylor Heineke, who's no more accurate than you or me with the football. The one time they throw a screen, it goes for a 60 yard touchdown. They never go back to it again. I'm going to side with uh, the Hall of Fame quarterback on his opinion of uh, Arthur Smith. But that all aside, those moments to me define the game as much as Josh Dobbs, who will get picked up on everyone's shoulders. But if there's a guy that needs to be picked up on shoulders, and, and now here I am, like for Brian Flores, I want him to get a head coaching job because this man deserves it. But at the same time, you're like, how much money would it cost you not to leave? Because this is so impressive what he's doing with this group. Totally. And it, it's just kind of the way it works, right? Like if a quarterback with the story that, Josh Dobbs has comes in and wins the game. He's just going to be the headlines, but yeah, Brian Flores kind of gets buried in this one and a little unfairly, like there's just not enough space like to, to take up for you know, all people want to talk about is Josh Dobbs, but it, Brian Flores, the performance that he was able to put together today with the, the kind of like their backs against the wall in the sense of when you have a rookie quarterback in the game, the defense knows it has a ton of pressure on themselves then when that guy goes out and it's a guy like Josh Dobbs coming in who doesn't really know the offense, he said today he doesn't really even know first and last names on this team. Josh Dobbs said he'll learn names this week. That'll be for this week. Um, but there's so much pressure as a defense every time you step out on the field because even though it's the team game and the culture's great here, like there is an element to like we might not be allowed to give up points today or we're going to lose. Um, granted, like there's some gray area in, but I think that's like kind of a thought process that a defense has when they're put into a situation like they were put in today. Um, and the fact that they were able to kind of fight that and weather that um, amid some tough situations early on uh, was really impressive. And, and if we want to give Kevin O'Connell credit for steering this ship through, you know, uncharted waters, then we do have to give Brian Flores credit for doing the same thing with the defense because he basically has carte blanche over that side of the ball. That's a credit to Kevin O'Connell as well, that he's willing to just say like, this is your show. Like I'll do this and I hired you to do this and I'll leave you alone and call a good defensive game. Um, Well, Brian Flores continues to do that Um, to your point about Arthur Smith. Like, yeah, the fumble early in the second or early in the first half, it's eight, three at that point, The, the Vikings, it's a nice hustle play in hindsight because they tackled the guy at the one yard line instead of going for a defensive touchdown. Uh, that drive was four plays for negative four yards where they ran a jet sweep to Jonu Smith instead of giving the ball to Bijan Robinson, who you used a high first round pick on. Um, that is a great job by Brian Flores, his defense, but that is a horrendous job by Arthur Smith and his offense. So uh, kudos to Brian Flores. Um, he deserves a lot of credit today. But yeah, I mean, I can get. I, if I was an Atlanta Falcons fan, even though you're four and five right now, I'd be really, really ready to to blow it up at the top. Hey, every, I mean, every team that decided to draft a uh, linebacker or a running back or a safety or whatever, 
Well, that allowed the Vikings to have Jordan Addison. So congrats on that, uh, everybody. This one's different, though. Don't worry. This running back's different. Let me just take a look at the box score and see how different B. John Robinson is. 11 runs for 51 yards and a fumble. Very different from all other running backs that they could have not picked instead. But again, I mean, be glad you're this organization and not that one because that one has no hope as long as they're handling things the way that they presently are. But to the point about Brian Flores' defense, I think the most impressive part is there are so many guys on this team who, if you just asked me at the beginning of the season, like training camp, like what, write out what you think their Madden rating should be. Cause I didn't buy Madden this year. I was too busy. So write out what you think they are. There's a lot of dudes who I'd have like in the upper sixties or seventies that I would have wrote out that going in this year. What is Cam Bynum? Eh, 72. What is Josh Metellus? 68. What's Harrison Phillips is 74. Jonathan Bullard's 67. Right. And yet this group is playing like this together. And, and to me, that is, yeah, you know what? Every once in a while, you're going to send Harrison Smith off the edge. You get burned for a 60-yard touchdown on a screen. It does happen that when you are that aggressive. But I also see the look on quarterbacks' faces. There was a time where they rushed three, and Taylor Heineke, and thanks to Arthur Smith, there was no underneath option for him. But uh, Taylor Heineke just looking totally lost. Like, where do I, what is this? You had everyone at the line of scrimmage. Now they're all gone. Where did they go? What do I do? And we've seen so much of that in recent weeks. And certainly when you play Mahomes, when you play Justin Herbert, those guys are going to even the score a little bit on you because they're the best quarterbacks in the league. But when they have played anybody short of that level, they have looked completely lost with a bunch of players who I think now, you know how you in Madden, you're, Ratings go up if you guys play better. Now I'd be like, Cam Bynum's like 84. And Josh Mattel is like 87, right? Like I'd be talking about these guys as they're much better players. To me, that is the definition of coaching from Brian Flores. And and the fact that there was no, when they fumbled the ball repeatedly, there was no like, oh man, like we're, we're screwed. We're just losing this game. It was like a bunch of guys running out there and then immediately doing their jobs. So I think that there's a lot of different ways where you can point to it of connecting the coaching with what's happening on the field. Yeah, and I'm glad we're giving space to this on this podcast like right now because I don't think, frankly, when you open the papers tomorrow, when you open the Pioneer Press tomorrow, uh, probably when you open the Star Tribune tomorrow, when you click around on Purple Insider or The Athletic or ESPN – like we're all going to talk about Josh Dobbs because that's the story of today's game. But uh, Brian Flores definitely deserves space for what he's did today and what he's doing continuously. Uh, I, I love the Madden uh, comparison because that, that is a perfect way to, to, to sum it up. And it, it shows kind of like the expectations of this defense before the season. Um, granted, you just made up a bunch of numbers, um, but I, I would agree with you. Like I was laughing to myself when you were naming all these ratings because like, yeah, I do agree. This guy was probably a 74 and now he's probably an 84. Like, but the, the growth is rooted very much so in, in the coaching. Um, and I love that point you made about like how many times do you see a defense trot back onto the field, like downtrodden after the, the offense gives up like a turnover and like, ah, oh, man, like here we go. We're going to give up a touchdown. Like, the Viking, nobody even would have blamed the defense if they walked out onto the field after Josh Dobbs fumbled the ball and the Atlanta guy picked it up and got it to the one. If like 
they basically were just like, here, score, you know, <laughs> we need a break. Like, but they didn't. Like for four plays, they made the the, the Falcons go backwards. Um, and, and that's like something that's almost like unquantifiable. Like how do you quantify like a defense's like continuous vibe or like belief that the other offense isn't going to gain yards. Um, and that just starts at the top. And, and yeah, I, I mean, Brian Flores, he's on a heater right now, um, but it might not be a heater. He's just like a really, really good coach. Um, and I think we talked probably only about a month ago, maybe it was a month and a half ago now, where it was like, don't worry, Vikings fans. Uh, he's going to be here a while because this defense isn't going to be very good. Um, if I'm a team looking for a coach this off season and the Vikings defense continues to trend in this direction, I'm definitely making the call um, because I think he's, I mean, he, he's had success in the past as a head coach and he, what he's doing with this defense this year, seeing what we saw last year out of a more talented defense, um, at least in terms of guys, like it, it, it can't be overstated, like how well, Brian Flores has fit into this system and I guess this franchise and brought his system along with him and, and kind of made it translate onto the field. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Folks, if you're struggling with the holiday blues and you're having some trouble getting excited in the same way that other people in your life do about holiday get-togethers and all of that just sounds stressful to you, then maybe it might be helpful to add something new in your life to help deal with those feelings. That's where therapy could be a bright spot for you. It can help give you the tools to manage stress and help you feel more grounded. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com insider to get 10% off your your first month today that's betterhelp.com slash insider folks i hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about prize picks this year but if you've missed it here's how it works you go to prizepicks.com and it is simple you pick either more or less between two and six player stat projections and that's it. Now you're playing. So if it's X number of yards for a quarterback, you just decide, are they going to throw for more or less than that number of yards? But it works with lots of different options, receiving yards, touchdowns, even field goals, all sorts of sports as well. Prizepicks.com slash purple. Go there. Use the code purple for the first deposit match up to $100. One of the reasons I like prize picks, it is very simple to use. You see how we do it on the show real quick and easy and then we talk about our picks and also not expensive either you can turn ten dollars into 250 by nailing just a couple of picks so go to prizepicks.com purple the code purple daily fantasy sports made easy i also think that he's a really great fit for kevin o'connell culture wise because mm-hmm. o'connell is so hyper optimistic and so focused on his quarterback and just kind of energetic and whatever. But Flores brings an element as many defensive coaches do of toughness Mm -hmm. to where even in our press conferences, you're like, 
Let me, let me be careful how I ask this question. Not that he's ever snapped at us. I'm just saying like, he's a little bit of an intimidating guy. And I think that you take on what your coach presents and he presents a toughness to him and a resilience to him. This is a guy who was not afraid to sue the NFL. I mean, and they know that like he comes in, it's like this, this guy is unafraid and he's unafraid to send everybody to uh, blitzing. He's unafraid to play everybody. I see Andrew Booth Jr. out there, by the way. I mean, you know, Lewis Seen was inactive today. Didn't see him, but I see Andrew Booth Jr. out there. I see, you know, all sorts of Theo Jackson out there. Like he's unafraid to use everybody and to kind of like, he's want to galvanize a defense. Well, it's not starters and backups. It's everybody uh, that he uses. So there are so many things that I'm impressed with, with Brian Flores, but we got to talk about Going forward here, I, I think this is an obvious choice. Josh Dobbs is the quarterback until further notice. Uh, hopefully, Jaron Hall is okay, by the way. I haven't really mentioned it, but I feel terrible, terrible for Jaron Hall. I mean, this is like his big moment, and he was looking good and seemed very confident. I was so impressed with the way he handled everything this week, uh, his, you know, his press conference and everything else. We just saw a very even nature to him that I thought might translate um, you know, cause you can't just be all over the place as an NFL quarterback. And so he was looking comfortable on that drive and then, you know, it's terrible for him, but more likely than not, it's going to be uh, Josh Dobbs going forward. We don't need to talk about Nick Mullins or anything else unless now we have to say, unless he gets hurt cause everyone's getting hurt this year. Um, but it's, you know, Dobbs going forward. What do they do in the backfield? I mean, the running was atrocious today. It was not helpful at all. We talked about it all week. Well, boy, they really need to get the run game going. I guess not. I guess Dobbs will just take care of that himself. Uh, but they actually do. Madison is just not the answer. The the scheme seems to really struggle. Even if guys are doing their jobs, they're still like free runners at the running back. And a lot of times, you know, we can trash Madison. And I understand why, because we focus on the man with the football. A lot of times he got the football and was taken down immediately for like four yard losses. That's mm-hmm. not on him. And now it's Ty Chandler. Ken A. Wongwu, I, I believe is still on this football team. They likely have to go out and get a running back. I saw Leonard Fournette joined another team, so he's not going to be out there. What, what do they do? Because I don't think just asking Dobbs to convert fourth downs with his legs the rest of the way is going to be quite enough for this offense. Yeah. I guess starting off, like you mentioned it earlier, but Cam Akers going down with an Achilles injury is just crushing because I think it's the other Achilles. I think it was whatever Achilles he popped the first time. I'm pretty sure it's the other one and they haven't confirmed tear, but like it's, it's a tear. Like the Kevin O'Connell said, fearing an Achilles injury, just like he said, fearing an Achilles injury last week with Kirk Cousins. And it just sucks for Cam Akers because this was kind of his new lease on life and, Granted, he didn't have a ton of success with some of the people that were in his face right away when he would touch the ball. Uh, But I think there was a belief from Kevin O'Connell to bring him in, and this was another opportunity for him to have a a longer NFL career than some would have expected. Um, And now it's just hard to to see a path forward for him. So you feel for him, um, you know, all the good vibes that everyone was sending Kirk Cousins this week, like let's send him to Cam Akers too because same injury. Um, just because one guy's the starting quarterback and one guy's a backup running back, uh, it still sucks for him. And, and in some ways, it sucks worse for Cam Akers because he hasn't had a career. He hasn't made a bunch of money. Um, and he's already been through this rehab process. So would be remiss if I didn't say that first. 
the running game as it currently stands without Cam Akers, I have no idea how you fix it because, like, you can't trade for someone. The trade deadline's passed. I guess you could go out and sign, like, a veteran running back, but most of the guys that are on the free agent market, like, are on the free agent market because they're not very good anymore or they're washed or they're over the, the hill. But, like, I think this is maybe an opportunity for Ty Chandler. Like, we've seen ty chandler like be able to create in very very small sample sizes Uh, but he has some pop to him he has a dynamicness to him that frankly alexander madison just doesn't have and it is easy to look at this game today and you know nitpick at alexander madison because of what his rushing total finished at and what we've seen throughout the course of this season but like there, there is something also with just like you can't create when there's just people on you as soon as you get the ball. Um, so it, it's a total system thing um, that needs to be rethought. Um, and and I, I think that there is probably something that Josh Dobbs' threat of running can probably help your running game as a whole because it's an extra body you have to account for that might take off with the football. Maybe that helps – open up some running lanes for your running backs when when you have designed RPOs or whatever they want to kind of install in that nature. I feel like they're going to have to use Josh Dobbs' legs and his threat of running to try and open up things for the, for their backfield. Uh, But yeah, it's it's Alexander Madison RB one moving forward and Ty Chandler RB two, I guess Um, I would not be shocked if they bring in a veteran guy this week. I know they worked out a handful this this past offseason, kind of like they did with Dalton Reisner. So maybe they'll revisit some of those guys. But, yeah, it, it's something that needs to be fixed uh, because I don't think, like you said, you can just rely on, well, Josh Dobbs is going to rush for 66 yards and we'll be fine. Um, a lot of those came on broken plays. Like You still need the run game to be established. Um, even more so now with, with, with the guy moving forward um, that isn't like a Kirk Cousins. Um, I think we forget, like when we watch this game back and we think about this game, like Josh Dobbs is amazing. Like he is, but he needs, or he was today, but he's going to need some help from the ground game moving forward to, to be comfortable and, and productive moving forward here the rest of the way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if they're relying on just scrambles and so forth and uh like, magical catches and meltdowns by the other team. And, you know, that's going to be pretty tough. I mean, uh, because they do face a very good defense in New Orleans next week. And, you know, I also think that uh, it's not like you're just playing teams that have no wins. I mean, these are teams that uh, are going to give you a good shot. So, and probably a little bit better coached in New Orleans on defense than this team was. So they're going to need something else. I I think that what you start to do probably is look at other teams, practice squads. Like, is there a veteran on another team's practice squad? The Chandler thing is pretty clear that they just haven't trusted him. Mm -hmm. And I remember we, sometimes we report things in training camp and people don't believe us. And then they come to fruition, which is like, they don't trust Ty Chandler. And if they did, he would have been in by now, but it's time to trust Ty Chandler and whatever it is that he can't do, figure out a way to make it so he can, Uh, because there's nobody else. 
Yeah, there's no one that you're signing off a practice squad somewhere else who's going to make a difference. And there's nobody who's been sitting on their couch into November that is going to have the burst at running back that because that's a really hard thing to do where you could just come in and make a difference. The other thing is, though, maybe just put in a phone call to like Rick Dennison or somebody who used to be the run game coordinator for the Vikings and their offensive line coach, or maybe get on a Zoom call or just text him or anything, because I think a good amount of this is that their scheme is just not good. It wasn't good last year. It's not good this year. And if Cam Akers was averaging like more than the same amount of yards per carry than Madison, I would say, well, it's definitely Madison. And it, and some of it is like, he's not a great starting running back, but Akers is decidedly more talented mm-hmm. and averaged 3.1 today versus 2.8. So it's not like that's making a, a massive, massive difference. So something needs to be resolved there, which brings me to my final question in a very energetic and highly viewed show, as I'm seeing, uh, which is great to have all of you here and all of you in the comments. I really, really appreciate everyone who's jumped on after this bananas win for the Vikings. We have to ask the question, though. What is now the expectation? They are five and four. They have come back from 0 and three. They have won a game without their starting quarterback. The schedule hasn't changed since earlier today. It's still, everybody knows that it's not the most challenging schedule. What is now the expectation that Josh Dobbs is this team's quarterback? Also factory in Cam Akers is down. Hard to say if KJ Osborne will be back right away. Darisaw, is this going to be a nagging thing or is this not going to be a nagging thing? And now the other team gets the game plan for Josh Dobbs. Like, what do we expect from this team now? I think it's fair and reasonable to expect the playoffs, um, which maybe sounds ludicrous because they're starting a quarterback that they traded four or five days ago moving forward. But I, I, I'm looking at the schedule right now. And a lot of this fair and reasonable to hope for the playoffs is rooted in how quickly Justin Jefferson can come back. Theoretically, like he can come back next week um, because the window opens this week. And if the Vikings decide to practice Justin Jefferson, he's missed the, the four games that he has to miss on IR and he could come back for the Saints game. If Justin Jefferson's back at any point in the next two to three weeks, then I think you, you, you rise to even another level of confidence of like expecting the playoffs. Um, but right now, as, as the team currently stands, even without Jefferson, I think you have a good chance at home against the saints. I don't think that team's very good. Uh, I think you have a good chance away against the Broncos. I don't think that team's very good. The bears come here like Tyson Bajan was a cool story, but, he looks like a D2 quarterback from Shepherd University. Like the Raiders, they're kicking butt today, but like will the Antonio Pierce like coaching change bump? Will that have worn off a month from now? And then what's left is a pretty talentless roster in a lot of areas. So I look at the next month ahead, and if they can win two or three games, which I think they should be able to, like then you're sitting at a pretty good spot in the NFC heading into your toughest stretch of the schedule when you go Cincinnati two games against Detroit. Um, and then you host the Packers on New Year's Eve. I, I think you can probably chalk that one up to a win. The Packers are a disaster. Um, even if they won today, like I, I just think it's fair to 
hope for the playoffs, but also maybe even expect the playoffs, uh, the, the way that the schedule works out and the way that the NFC kind of seems to be leveling out in a way that, that looks to be in favor of the Vikings right now, they're seventh. So they would be in if the season ended today, they're competing with Washington who thinks Sam Hollis, their starting quarterback. They did win again today, but that they're four and five. They're competing with Atlanta who we just saw that team today. They lost to, in a lot of ways, a, a preseason roster to the, for the Vikings. They're competing with Tampa, like Green Bay. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, the teams that they're competing with for that final playoff spot, frankly, the Vikings are just better than for all the reasons we've talked about for 52 minutes um, of this podcast so far. And then you look at the teams ahead of them. Seattle lost by a thousand today to Baltimore. Like, Maybe the Vikings could jump Seattle. New Orleans, they play them next week. New Orleans is four, five and four, but like like I said, I, give me the Vikings and their roster as a whole over New Orleans' roster as a whole. So the door's open for them. And if Josh Dobbs can do what he did today on five days' notice, I think that there is something that you could potentially unlock with him moving forward. I'm not standing here saying Josh Dobbs is the Messiah and he's going to lead the Vikings to the NFC championship game like Case Keenum did five years ago. Uh, but I think he has some juice and there is a belief in him now in this locker room and give him a month or, you know, more than just three days to learn the offense. Um, and I think this team could do something. Josh Dobbs's name to all time Vikings lore as a backup quarterback who had success, something we have seen so many times uh, in this franchise's history. I mean, I think the best point there is that the teams they're competing against for the seventh spot are just truly awful, including the Atlanta team we saw today. Why, why would anyone believe that they could do anything? But I was thinking initially the bar might be nine or 10 wins to get in. The bar might be eight wins to yeah. get in as bad as the bottom of the NFC is to have that final wild card spot. And you know what? If they do it, it will be quite an amazing story of Josh Dobbs coming in here and making something happen. Uh, I'm not going to quite yet say that they're going to surpass Seattle. What we saw today in Seattle is a, a different story, but AFC versus NFC contenders, baby. That's what the AFC contender looks like. That's what the NFC contender looks like. It's uh, a big gap between the two conferences. But um, as we're talking, Philadelphia and Dallas are, are kind of throwing down. So there's still a clear cut top three or four teams in the NFC. But when you look at the middling teams, there's uh, a lot of franchises that still think they could get to the top and draft a quarterback, I think. So, um, and, and of course, Michael Penix now is going to be drafted over Caleb Williams after what we saw last. I'm just mostly kidding. Uh, but anyway, anyway, what a day. What a day for the Vikings as now they have a chance at doing exactly what you described, which is making something happen and reaching the playoffs in a situation that looked dire early in this game that they come back to win. So thanks for all of your help, Dane Mizutani. Make sure you all read Dane's work from Atlanta, from inside the locker room there, Pioneer Press. My work, my instant reaction over at purpleinsider.com and the story that you referenced, go to purpleinsider.com. You'll find it there about Kevin O'Connell's enthusiastic disposition that has guided this team through adversity. So it looks good today. I 
tweeted it again after the game because of that. So self-promote at all costs. Uh, thanks again, Dane, for all of your help. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in. We'll do it again next week. We'll be in that press box and only the football gods know what is up next for the Minnesota Vikings. Take care, Dane. Have a safe travel back and we will talk to you all later.